Hey, man, in your life, did you have many uh, get-rich-quick schemes or ideas that you thought were million-dollar ideas? Oh, get-rich-quick schemes. Um, oh, what I thought about was when Blockbuster was, was a, thing. a thing. Or Blockbuster over like Redbox. When sure. It was like really the height of his... Right, popularity. renting movies was still yes. a thing. You like physical copies of movies. I always thought like, what if, you know, I peel the... Well, this time we had CDs. <laughs> Uh-huh. What if I tried to way, find a way to peel the the cover off of the CD? Uh-huh. So CD, like uh, the DVD or the, the DVD, CD? Either one. Okay. Like game, either. whatever. But it was a CD. You were the but, disc. But you know the, uh-huh. that the top of the disc had the- Like the graphics the for graphic whatever it was. The game uh-huh. whatever the movie. So I was like, what if I just find a way to peel this off? Yeah. Get a blank CD. Slap okay. it on a blank, blank CD. And then keep them. Uh-huh. Or just sell it. So this is more like a trick than getting money, right? This is not like a reputable business. Eventually, oh, people will find no. out. They take them home, and they take them home, and it's like, <laughs> you have be getting so many returns. You're like, oh, I'm gone. Like, I won't be at that what spot a, anymore when they come box, back. I would. You be standing it, on front of it? No. I mean, like, I would return. When you Redbox, you put it back. I would get a oh, blank Oh, you give them the fake one. Thing, put it in the Redbox. And you keep the real. And then I keep the real one. And, and then, then what do you do with that? I you just have a DVD collection? It? Yeah, I sell it. <laughs> so one DVD at a time. I have a limited collection Look, I can get, These are I, all rare DVDs I can get like, you next Friday But it's going to take me a couple weeks yeah, I guess, yeah, take some time. The guy won't bring it He keeps renting it over and over again We in a real battle Like I keep trying to get to the Redbox before him But yeah. he keeps beating me And they're like Redbox? Like, Never mind don't no, worry I'm, about it yeah, I didn't say that Don't worry about it They're like Are you the guy that keeps putting uh, blank uh, DVDs back into the Redbox? That's yeah. you? Are you yeah. the Redbox bandit? No, no, that's that, that's more like mischievous than a business. Yeah, that's, I don't think you'll get rich quick from that. You might end up in prison. Like this is like a scam. Yeah, that's more of the scam without the money well, part. I was broke. I was like maybe like I don't know fifteen. Yeah, you just like you just like how can I be like a fucking dick? Yeah. Like that's more, that's not about like how, how, where's the money? You sell one DVD sell for nine dollars, yeah, and then you are like I try to get another one, and then I, I was going to, it's going to take a while. <laughs> I got to get rich real I gotta, slow. I got to get a card somewhere. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have a membership to Blockbuster. Then gonna start catching on. Like, wait, all these CDs are like blank. It's, it's this guy that keeps renting them. Or his is always I still the ones come he in there. Yeah, like, you gotta, I gotta do, do anything. Hey man, we're on to you. You're not. You're banned. <laughs> Excuse me. What? Yeah, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're like, yeah, you keep bringing in CDRXs from Rite Aid in <laughs> here and putting the uh, Love Actually artwork on them in their blank CDs. Like, oh well, damn. You guys caught me. <laughs> I'll be this. You haven't seen the last of me. You make a real scene out of it. Uh, I had a get rich. Why well, it wasn't a get rich quick scheme. I thought it was a brilliant product. Okay. Okay. So I thought that. Okay. <laughs> where the where the fellas at? Where you know? Let's go ahead. And, the fellas will be able to relate this because I don't know if this is a women issue. Okay. But um, I had an idea for a product that would make uh, when you go pee in public really bring the ruckus. Cause you know it's nothing. It's, it's it's intimidating almost. Like sometimes you're not you're not in like this is gonna sound weird, but I have to describe it how I can try. It. Sometimes you're not in the best form, and you got to pee. You go in the bathroom, and and it's not it's not hitting the bowl in a way where you <laughs> where you feel like where you feel like everybody's around you. It's it's not it's not it's not <laughs> it's, it's not no you <laughs> no you know it's not bringing the ruckus. You know what I mean. So, so, so you if you if you catch my drift, I, I do. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sometimes you're like, this is I don't know. This is this is hitting the bowl. <laughs> this is hitting the bowl in a real lighthearted no, way. I, I want. 
I want to feel manly, right? Yeah, now. you know, yeah. I'm just not hitting the thunder. You wanted to, you wanted to really hit the, you wanted to hit the bowl with like oh, authority, shit. you know. So I, I thought of a like, I had an idea for like a tube that like you pee through the tube, pressurizes it, yeah. sends it through, and really fires it on a ten into the bowl, you know. Because sometimes you go and it's sounding like you know a squirt gun. Yeah, and that and and, and maybe the guys around you aren't listening, but guess what? Based on your laugh, I know that you are, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not just me and my weird self conscious no, thoughts. Where I'm like, no. this isn't hitting like it should, or yeah. this isn't this sounds uh, inferior. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then don't let you hear somebody else. You're like, Yo, okay, this dude's working with the sea monster over there. And that's just the assumption. Yeah, but yeah. we don't know. It, it could be all pipes. I don't know anything yeah. about what the uh the functionality of it all. In my in my in my mind, it correlates to you're doing all right down there. Yeah, in my mind, yeah. depending on how so really my in my my to to solve this and help everybody with their our, our toxic masculinity, I thought, okay, I was thinking you call it the Johnny Rocket, right? Okay. You pee through that, like I said, it some kind of almost like the same technology of a, a water hose. Yeah. You know, you got your water hose in the back. When it's just a water hose, that's just coming outside. Yeah. But then you put that nozzle on there and you you you, you channel the water. Yeah. And you squeeze that head. It's coming out crazy. Yeah. So I, it's I wanted to channel the technology of a of a shout of a uh, of a hose uh, nozzle into where you pee through it and it cranks the pee up to another level and sends it fires it into the bowl at at of high velocity. Yeah. Just to create the illusion that you know you 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 bring in heat when you go to pee, yeah. Because everybody's always judging you, and I don't think that I'm the only one. Now, the reason I said that would be more for targeted towards men, and maybe I will revitalize this idea. But I don't know if women, ladies, let you know, let us know. Uh, send us an email. Let us know. I don't know if that's anything you're judging. Where you go? Oh, she's firing over there. Yeah. Like you know, what I mean, you guys installs next to each other, and you're like, bling, 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 bling. It's Very a late. negative thing. If it's coming out crazy, yeah, yeah, so I'm saying maybe it's, it's reverse. Yeah, maybe like for women, it's like you want it to be like, <laughs> like coming out like it got giggles out of you, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but men don't want that. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to be a grown man and you feel not confident. You know like, what's, yeah. what's good, bro? Yeah. And then you go in the bathroom, like, <laughs> <laughs> dribbling into the bowl. You know you don't want that. You want it to really come out. Oh yeah, right on, yeah. my man, right on. <laughs> yeah. It's coming out right now. That's how you wanted to come out of you, not like a like a, a childish giggle, you know. Uh, so maybe it's reverse for women, but for men, I definitely know if you are next to a stall, another man, you hear you hear like the pee coming out, like <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy pee. You don't want that. You wanted to really come out where my dog's at. Oh yeah, right on, and you come out with confidence. So I thought the Johnny Rocket would be a great idea. I did not ever go into patenting and those kinds of uh, next steps. But perhaps I will, because I think that um, there's a market there. You're an idiot, man. I can't stay. I can't stay. Yeah, obvious. We got a problem here. And it's more than just Alvin screaming Punisher. When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, you got two friends who you won't forget. Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival. Nothing nonstop, case drops on a cycle. Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone. How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? AFs, it might as well stay up. Lies being told like that dinosaur BS. Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us. Having the time, roasting your favorite people. Bougie an option, is the wage Take it to the grave, add poop into the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman Yeah man, I'm the man 
What up? Fran, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Hey, we coming up on spring, man. Spring is about to spring. Daylight saving has... has as came upon us, I think this is the last year of daylight saving, if I'm not mistaken. What do you? How so? I think I think they get doing should. away with it. I think so. I feel like they should because it's just it's like why is why are like six farmers in in uh, Wisconsin like holding the whole country hostage to now you get less sleep at some random point in the year or yeah. you get more sleep at one point in the year you get less daylight more daylight we don't need to it's fine yeah they can it's fine we don't need yeah. to live by these rules anymore right. but i didn't hear, i didn't hear about that they're supposed to be doing so. away with it i think so that's crazy yeah, yeah man yeah, well, good yeah. I, don't, I don't understand the, the whole the point of it. i don't get the point either it's just like people some, randomly at some point i never even know when it's gonna happen just somebody randomly goes hey man you know you lose an hour tomorrow you yeah. gain an hour tomorrow i'm just like yeah. okay whatever the fuck that means like you know and you just know you're gonna be tired the next day or you'll be refreshed yeah but also I've ha- I have asked everything I I do. Just, so okay. If I read an article that said that, I probably could be wrong. I probably read it <laughs> completely wrong. <laughs> I probably read it. Who knows? You know, you make a good point. Yeah. You just heard. You just saw last. I saw last and daylight yeah. saving time. You're like, like, it's they're not doing there it anymore. We go. It's over. That's how I paraphrase it's everything. <laughs> everything. I just believe you, man. I, I'm I'm gullible like that. You know, I, I believe the words that come out of your mouth. Um, for, yes, like you said, spring is sprung, and when it gets warm. Shit gets dumb. Fran, I wanted to ask you if you had heard about slash seen any of these quick clips of the Juicy Smollett uh, docu-series that has come out. I did. The yeah. parody type of... Drugs? Well, it's real. It is real? It's a real documentary series on Fox Nation. I'm not going to I'm not gonna give them the money to... Su- surprise, surprise, I'm not going to pay for another streaming service. But it is a real docu-series, and I've heard that it's like... Well done for what it is. Oh, it's not the one I saw. Then. But no, no, they have the two brothers. Oh, okay, yeah. That parody that you saw, the reenactment, is <laughs> okay. from the docuseries. Is it? But other than that silly ass thing, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is like a serious oh, okay. investigative, here's what really happened, a commentary on, because that was a crazy time, you know what I mean? Like, um, I remember when that happened and it, it seemed sketchy. Yeah. But... You didn't, and that was what so what was so dangerous about it. In 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 hindsight, and at the time, just feeling the way that I felt, I didn't feel comfortable. And me as a black person, I didn't feel comfortable going. So they put a noose around his neck and the bleach, and then he he still took the sandwich home. And the then you see the video. He's like, and they put the noose around. He's like, you still have the noose around your neck when the police come to your house. Like it just felt like why why would you still have that around your neck and why would you still have your subway sandwich and they pour bleach and where's the the video footage but nobody wanted to go and that was like 2019 this was even before the george floyd murder but it still was racial tension was starting to really be at the forefront of conversations in the country based on a bunch of other type of murders and horrible things that happened and that was something that happened because it was it was around the time of Trump the uh, Trump uh, presidential election and his presidency and all the Mexican yeah, rapist yeah. thing, all of that combined, it was like, well, here here's proof that this guy's ushering in all this hate and nobody wanted to go in Chicago. Yeah, because Chicago's a pretty black city. Yes, and. It was like five, it was five dudes in MAGA hats, and they put a noose around my neck and bleached through bleach on me. It was like they had bleach on them at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and you went to get sub. You're on a you're on a national uh, television show, and you went to get Subway at three o'clock in the morning. Okay, so I went, you know, prayers to him or whatever. But everybody, the Oscars, everybody, Jussie, we stand by Jussie, and nope, 
And in the docu-series, what I heard was they do this kind of, there's a whole episode dedicated to a bunch of white people being like, I mean, yeah, it did sound a little sketchy, but I wasn't going to be the person that went, I don't believe him. So I doubled down and was like, yeah, this is so fucked up. This is horrible. This is unacceptable because everybody went full in on that. Yeah. Understandably, though, because the story sounded so fucked up. But that's what made him so dangerous. Like, like you played with people like that. That could have led to a lot of bad shit. Yeah. They could have burned Chicago down to the ground out of anger because this horrible hate crime happened that didn't happen. And so I just thought, you know, I, I, I still don't, I don't really fuck with that. I hope, I, I, I don't wish him like um, a resurgence. I think that um, there's some things that people do. I think that uh, the life of a actor and a creative is a, is a privilege. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you, if you find a way to still be able to do that on your own, that's one thing. But I don't think that you, there's some things that disqualify you from the backing of studios and getting checks for millions of dollars and just living the life of a socialite and a celebrity. Yeah. And I think something like that is, I don't care. I mean, I don't even know if he's talented or not. I've, I think he was in Mighty Ducks, one of the Mighty Ducks movies. Was he? Yeah, he's one of the kids. And, I haven't seen anything. And I didn't see, I didn't watch Empire. It wasn't my thing. I, so I don't really know if he's even talented enough that it's like, well, you gotta, you know, when are we going to let him come back and be great? No. You know what I mean? I didn't. The only thing I didn't like about it was, again, it was a, it was a it was bad timing, bad terrible timing. On, but it well, was, it was good timing for him because he was like everybody's so tense, racial. Yeah, this yeah, is great yeah. time to do it. Yeah, but I don't like when situations like that. The thing I hate, I, I like, I really hate mm-hmm. is when you give ammo to people and they go like, "Well, look, I see? don't believe. I don't. This is why I don't believe. It's a lie, right? Or like this, this isn't really happening. This or like any other situation like this. This not true. Yes, because look, that's what he did. And, and I didn't like that. He's the he's the poster child for, see, you guys are acting like America's so bad, yeah. but it's not. People are just, you guys are overreacting, and a lot of you are lying. Yeah. He's the poster child for that. Yep. And that is why, again, I'm not going to support the documentary, but there's a reason that Fox Nation put the, the money behind it to, you know, to make it. You know, this conservative, you know, right-leaning uh, network. They are the people that are going to push that narrative to people to go, see, look, this guy lied, and they're not going to outright say black people lie, but no. they're going to say, this guy, he's a monster, you're lying, making up these stories about the president, just despicable. And it, and in the way that they're going to say it, it's going to, it's going to be about Jesse Smollett, but it's really going to be about black people. Yeah. What made him do that, though? What made him get up and was like, The oh, sad, man. sad, sad need for attention. That's Actors crazy. are some of the saddest people in the world. That's some of the fakest people too. I don't trust fake, any actor. Fake, sad people who need. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Am I pretty? Am I great? Am I? Please tell me. I love movies. Yeah, and you know that. Yeah, I love the Oscars in on paper. Mm-hmm. The idea of like. Here's a list of all the movies that have gained notoriety and critical attention, mm-hmm. and you know all these things. Here's a night to celebrate that art. But the way those people get up there and cry and fucking. You're an actor. You're a professional actor. You're, yeah. But it's also like for you to get up there and suck your own dick for five minutes about how it just is, it just is, get your award, get off the stage, man. They are, it's the pretentiousness of it. Yeah. Right. And that's, he was a pretentious actor who felt like he needed, he deserved a raise or more opportunities or something of the sort, some kind of attention to make his career flourish. And he thought, I'll use the racism angle 
to be a victim That's crazy. to boost my he felt like being a victim would boost his career because that's how little he respects the plight of his own people in this country. That's crazy. And then he goes on a press tour to boost his lie and go, yeah, I'm just traumatized. I just, you know, it was hard. I can't believe it happened to me. He went to a show and was like, I'm the gay Tupac, which is like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means because I don't know what that meant. I don't even know who you are, but for this. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. I know his sister. Um, she's in Lovecraft Country. She is. She's the light-skinned girl. Oh. That's his sister. Is it? And that fucking, in the middle of her being in a great show, and she had did a DC movie and stuff, she had to go on a press tour for her stuff and, be, and dodge questions about her dumbass brother. Wow. Because she has a career that's doing well. Yeah. And she had to for a long time. She's been. She's been. She's a, a kid. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been around. Yeah, Journey yeah, yeah. Smollett yeah. is her name. Journey Smollett has been around for a long time, and she's really talented. And she had to answer for her dumbass brother. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. that's crazy. You know. But yeah, I, I just you know if people want to check that out, I won't be paying the five ninety nine to get Fox Nation. So I know again, shocker. Okay. But um, yeah. I, I, what free else trial? am I going to watch on there? The Candace free, Owen, the Candace trial? Owen show. Free trial. I don't know if they have a free trial. Yeah, uh, they might have a free do. trial. Yeah. You know what? Get you. Then put a pin in this because I did just get MGM Plus. Why? So um, there's a show I wanted to watch on there, and the seven day free trial is up, and I didn't finish MGM, the show. Like so. the like the like hotel? the hotel. Yeah, but it's also a production company, and they have uh, their own kind of Netflix now. So I have a, 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 a subscription to that to watch from a show. It's good so far. But right. I haven't finished it. The trial's up, so now I'm paying for it. That's crazy. That's how you it works. Paying for, for a while. Yeah, I get the trial. I'm like, I'll get the trial. Finish the show in like three days. Yeah, and then I don't, and then I'm like, All right, what's six dollars? <laughs> then three years later. Right. Anyway, yeah. Keep uh, everybody <laughs> business. <laughs> Bro, I'm giving so many people six dollars. I'm like, what's six dollars? That was six dollars on my uh, on my uh, account like twenty times. Like it's crazy. I'm paying so much more than I pay for it. <laughs> that I would pay for cable is insane. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, no, it's twenty dollars. No, it's fifty dollars. No, it's six dollars. No, it's three dollars. No, it's two dollars. No, it's five dollars. No, it's eight dollars. No, it's seven dollars. No, it's eleven dollars. No, it's seven ninety nine. So many. You huh? need all. You know. Hey, Amen. <laughs> Individually, each one of them cheaper than cable. And that's all I tell myself. Is it? Well, I'm go. Yeah. Well, y'all go. Yeah. Netflix is cheaper than cable. And all, Paramount Plus is cheaper than cable. Add it all up. No. Is it cheaper than cable? <laughs> No, I won't. I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, folks, we don't have any Patreon shoutouts this week, but uh, the uh, the Affirmative Murder Virtual House Party will be uh, this Friday. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this Friday. Friday, the 21st. What is that? The 21st? I don't know. I don't it's know. It's something. That this Friday coming up, yeah. the 20. You have a calendar. I do, but I, I don't have it in I'm front of me. What about the people that's listening? Yeah, you guys have a calendar. Whatever this Friday is. You're listening to this episode on a Monday. The Friday that's coming up at the end of this week, it'll be that day. Join us for the virtual house party. We're going to have some laughs, maybe some cries. I don't know. Who knows what happens with these things? But we would love to have you come on through BYOB, BYOC, BYOT, um, BLT, RESPCT. Whatever it is that you want to do, you come on and you bring it yourself because all it's going to be for our end is me and Fran and whatever we're sipping on and, you know, uh, some stories between the two of us. That's all you can expect from us. Anything else you want to bring, that's your business. But be prepared to ask some questions and be prepared to have some laughs. Be prepared to have some thoughts, more importantly. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around.
Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeinabook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out MyLifeInABook.com. That's MyLifeInABook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P, at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time, that's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. All right, and we are back, friend. Uh, my affirmative murder this week is an interesting story that had a, a kind of a weird and unusual way that the perpetrator was caught, and that's what drew my attention. And so I'm going to get into that. That's all I'm going to give you, really. And then we're just going to get into the story. Okay. Um, so the Atlanta suburb of East Point is known to be a small and safe town. Mm-hmm. But in the spring of 2001, the community was terrorized by a series of shootings. Mm-hmm. On March 1st of 2001, 52-year-old Cynthia Roll was found dead in her car by her son. She had been fatally shot multiple times through her driver's side window as she sat in her driveway. Police found no signs of robbery, and the victim's purse was still in the car. Mm. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation CSI team carefully processed the car to preserve forensic details, finding various items, including a piece of paper that said Jack on it. Sounds personal. Yeah, but like, what does that mean? Because her name's not Jack, right? A retired member of the GBI named Peter McFarlane said that he took a picture of the note. He also reported finding no shell casings, even though there were three 40 caliber bullets recovered from Roll's body. So even though there were no shell casings found, the, the plus side is the bullets recovered from Roll's body allowed them to now identify the weapon that was used in the crime. Yeah. How wasn't shells found, though? What's most likely to happen is that they're, they're implying that the person picked up the shell casings. Not that they... Which that, takes time, too. Yeah. But that's why, which, that's why I'm like, which is kind of odd, though. Yeah, yeah, no. It, but it also, it also implies up. a... A professional, you know, yeah. if you do do that, you don't want to get caught and you know what things to take away from a scene to not get caught. A professional killer sounds crazy. to me. It always sounds. Yeah. Wild. To me. Cleaning up a scene and like a thief in the like a ghost in the night. Yes. Yeah, it's wild stuff. Investigators learned that role who was a probate, a probation officer in the state of Georgia was active in her church and regarded as personable and level headed. Detectives reviewed Roll's cases as, you know, as a corrections officer mm-hmm. to see if there was any disgruntled probations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, you know, people that 
whatever their her charges are, like her, her people who come in. Yeah. And there, but there were none. Hmm. So it's not like she had any incidences where she's a probation officer and she had to violate somebody and right. there was an incident or fight or something. It, none of that was found on her records. So they didn't have any leads as far as suspects hmm. in that, in that regard anyway. So detectives worked the case diligently. And then on April 8th of 2001, there was another shooting in the community. Roger Orr was shot while standing at the door of his East point home, but he survived. According to Orr, after he was shot, he went to go grab his shotgun. Mm-hmm. But then by the time he got back, the assailant was gone. After he was shot. After he was shot. So, because he survived. So, he was shit. shot, adrenaline, he went to go get his weapon. Yeah. Came back, whoever shot him was gone. Which, sure, I mean, yeah. For Unless, yeah, he was ready. The guy that shot him wasn't. He was like, I shot you. I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah, I don't know where you went, but I'm not going to find out what you came back with. Right. Detectives tried to get any information they could out of the victim, you know, because there was another sh- shooting just a couple of months prior that they were still investigating. Yeah. So they thought, you know, starting to make connections and think maybe they might be connected in some kind of way. So they wanted to get all they could out of this uh, Mr. Orr. So, um, but Mr. Orr could not provide any details about the shooter because it happened so fast. You know, so it was like he was shot. He was rushed to the hospital. It was quick. So he didn't have any information to give them. And, you know, he's recovering, mm. you know, so something traumatic happened. You can't expect him to be able to remember a bunch of details about somebody that shot him. But a red flag that connected this, sh- this shooting of Mr. Orr to the shooting of Miss Roll mm-hmm. was that a forty caliber shell casing was found outside of, uh, of, of Mr. Orr's front door, as well as a piece of paper on which a note had been written in yellow highlighter that said, I was locked up for six weeks. Someone must pay. Oh, shit. So we got a note yeah. and a forty caliber shell casing. Mm. We have a pattern. But the other one just said Jack. On the other side of the note was the word Jack. Oh, shit. So while investigators were collecting evidence at the Orr crime scene, a 911 call came in about a shooting that had just taken place two miles away Uh while they were processing this scene. This victim was 41-year-old Antonio Stepney, who had been shot while sitting at a stop sign. So it's only, it's, it's a short distance away. It's right as they're processing a still fresh crime scene. So now it almost sounds, it's like, is this, this a has rampage? Let's be, be random. It's right? random, but it's also before it was like a couple of months in between, you know, um, Cynthia Rowe had been shot like a month earlier. Now we're talking about two shootings in one day. So that's the escalation. Mm. So that's concerning. Cause at least, but at first it's two, the first two sound personal. Like it, they had they the had, note they're at their home, they're at their home so, front yeah. door, Driveway, driveway, home. This one's in the stop sign unless he's following this person. Exactly. Hmm. But uh, that's why I say it's an escalation because it's like the first two seem like they had some kind of planning because you got to go to their home and this. Right. But this is like, I just shot a dude at a stop sign. Yeah. That's the escalation and that's concerning because you go, well, then what happens next? Shoots a guy across the street from the stop sign. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're just on a shooting rampage. Yeah. So uh, Stepney, as in Antonio Stepney, who was the man at the stop sign, managed to get out of his vehicle and made his way to a nearby house. The resident of the home called 911, but Stepney died from his gunshot wounds at, at, in front of the house. Detectives found Stepney's car backed up to a curb and still running. Hmm. At the scene, they found five 40 caliber casings, which were immediately taken to the GBI for testing. Same weapon. Same weapon. Yeah. Police additionally found a sheet of paper with the word Jack on it. What the hell is Jack? It's a great question. The note with Jack written on it in highlighter, 
at the roll crime scene was a third point of connection. Ballistic testing showed that casings recovered from the Orr and Stepney crime scenes were fired from the exact same weapon, according to investigators. Like Roll and Orr, detectives looked into Stepney's background and found that he was a well-liked people person with no enemies. So again, this lends to your um, random theory, yeah. where it's like, these people don't have enemies, these people don't have people that have grudges out there against them. Why are they the targets of these violence? So the detectives were wondering like, what exactly tied these three victims together because they all they, none of them they didn't do the same jobs and they were well liked and they didn't have any enemies. So what you know what was the driving factor for this? Yeah. Jack. Yeah. So detectives continued to do a deep dive to try to figure out like what is this Jack thing? What does this mean? And they were able to find nothing. They they found themselves back at square one. No leads. No understanding of what Jack meant. But they knew they found it at three different crime scenes on you know. And this 40 caliber shell casing situation keeps coming up. So it, they are confident that it's the same person committing these crimes, but they have no leads. Yeah. Detectives felt like whoever was committing these crimes was trying to antagonize law enforcement with these notes. Then on April 12th, a bullet was fired into the East Point home of Barbara Northern, who was visiting with her mother. They heard a gunshot, according to detectives, and then the window shattered and her TV just exploded. So a bullet comes in through the window while this woman's visiting her mom. It hits the TV. TV goes on the fritz, explodes, fart, sparks shit. and shit everywhere. It's insane. Investigators found a forty caliber casing and a slip of paper with the word Jack on the other side. Where is he? Is he? Where did he find a note, though? Where is he? Where is he? Is he? Well, is in he this case, I mean, a bullet came through uh, the, window. the window. So maybe it was out on the, on the lawn. How but, is he remembering to do that? It's a signature. I mean, would would you, you know, forget, yeah, but forget I mean, to send your text messages, F raw, fly baby, you know? And every now and then you would, in a rush. He's just like always remembering to throw a note. Yeah. Probably got a little mantra to himself, you know? Yes. Like, I mean, I, when I leave my house, I go phone, wallet, keys. I just say it to myself to make sure I got all my stuff. Every once in a while, you'll forget. You'll forget something. Sure. You'll forget, like, oh, shit, my, I forgot, forgot to throw the, my note. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, forgot to leave Jack at the scene. Um, so uh, uh, along with the note that said Jack, on the other side of this note, oh. there was a note that told police to count their body bags. Uh, police were confident that they had a serial shooter who had already killed two people. And so there was fear cast all over the East Point area. Yeah. Detectives continued to try to connect the dots between the victims. At the same time, the crime scene investigators team scoured the Jack notes for forensic evidence showing that the shooter had left his mark in some kind of way, whether that be foot fingerprints or gunpowder residue or something, you know. They didn't like figure out if he was like left handed or right handed or some shit like that. No, this is actually where the not twist, but the thing that opened this case up for them is what made me want to tell the story. It was absolutely insane. And Brings up a bunch of other questions as well. It was crazy. So um, the CSI team was investigating the notes to try to find any kind of clues or leads to help them track, narrow down a suspect. Lip prints on the notes indicated that the shooter had put the notes in his mouth. So according to a reporter, it was explained to him that lip prints are as unique as fingerprints. Look, man, this is, this is what got me in true crime. Shit like this. I <laughs> love shit like scene this. investigation. It's like, oh, I found a, I just found these lip and it's like, Nobody thought, nobody like thought of that, but they just happened to come across some lip prints. Come like, across, what is, like, what is this? Is this a smooch? Man, these notes have smooches on them. 
also that's really unique like so that that really means like you have everybody lips are like fingerprints so everybody's lips are different i didn't really know that me either so that's that's interesting wow yeah Damn. i'm gonna start if i ever get in trouble i'm gonna start requesting if i ever get like arrested i'm gonna be like can i can you put some ink on my lips and i kiss the thing yeah just a little that feels a little sassy <laughs> make me that's <laughs> right. different you know that's unique You're like who's this prince Right. No, there's no, no thumbprints. It's just mad different lips. versions of my lips. That's no. That's 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 sassy. I like that. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> so DNA extracted from the lip prints were yep. fed into a nationwide database, but no match was found. Because like, why would they have his lips on? That's crazy. If they did come up, it's like why is DNA kissing everything. Touche, my bad. I'm thinking thumbprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's DNA. Sorry, I'm like <laughs> my man. Like, dog. They, they have put his in lips? the lip. They, yeah. There's a lip <laughs> database. <laughs> his lips. <laughs> he's going around kissing everything. He's like, <laughs> of course they don't have because it's news. Like he's only he's the first person they put. Oh, he's the only person anybody's lip. Only criminal whose lip prints ever been found somewhere. That's insane. <laughs> there's no lip database. Yeah. All these criminals are just kissing. Like, and you know what? Let me go ahead and kiss all the dollar bills what, after what, the robbery. What if like years from now it's like they found out like. When did this case happen? 2001. 2001. So, so it was long. Yeah, it was But long. I mean, like, what if it was like, what if it came to a point where it was like, well, lips are more accurate. Yes. And more distinct than fingerprints. Like, get your mouth on that ink, you yeah. dirtbag. I'm going to get a lip print from you to run it through the database. <laughs> <laughs> so shortly after midnight on April 24th, Rosa Lewis was shot several times in the mm. parking lot of her East Point home. Detectives found no jack notes but 40 caliber casings at the crime scene matched the other shootings. So now, you know, he's probably feeling the pressure. Maybe feels like they might be on his tail a little bit. Or, like you said, having an off day, forgot to leave his jack note. No note. No note, but the casings are still there. So they know it's the same shooter. Investigators learned that Lewis, like Roll, was a probation officer. Hmm. The women worked together, actually. What? Detectives interviewed a witness who said that they heard gunshots and saw a blue Dodge speed away from the Lewis crime scene. Oh. So now they have a car yeah. to uh, run through a database, uh, you know, license plates, how many people drive blue cars in this small town in, in the suburb of Atlanta. So, you know, that's a big that's a big tell. As they had done earlier, police once again looked for disgruntled probationers as they worked to determine who the shooter could be. They were unable to turn up any leads but they did discover that Lewis had recently gone through a divorce. I bet it has to be somebody that's intimate knowledge or close and angry kind of about something though. Cause yeah. he's blaming somebody for something for sure. He Whatever's went to jail for life. six weeks, whatever yeah. that was on one of the notes. He's left behind a lot of clues and the probationers thing was a good place to start, but a disgruntled ex-husband makes just as much sense. Cause you get all the anger things. It makes sense why he would know, more than one probation worker at the same office, co-workers, maybe they had dinner together. Maybe they were like uh, work friends who had their, their husbands became, you know, that kind of thing. It would make yeah. sense why they, he, why they would know both of these people. Yeah. So police went to the home of her ex-husband, 44-year-old William Charles Lewis, outside of Atlanta to notify him that Rosa had been shot. As they knocked on his door, Lewis pulled up in a car that matched the description of the vehicle that fled the crime scene. What? A blue Dodge. Lewis, who was a youth minister, appeared disheveled and failed to inquire about Rosa, who managed to survive her wounds. According to the detective that came to announce, him, to, announce to him that his ex-wife had been shot, not once did he ask how she was. Shit. 
You know, you think you would ask, like, is she okay? Yeah. Like, is she alive? You know, any he didn't ask anything. Inside Lewis's home, police saw a printer paper, a black magic marker, and a yellow highlighter next to each other. The items were common enough, but the pieces of the mystery were adding up. Investigators took Lewis and his teenage son to the East Point police station to be interviewed. The teen said that he didn't know his mother had been shot, nor did he know where his father had been earlier. So alibi's gone. Lewis denied shooting his ex-wife and other victims. With no confession and only a circumstantial case mounting against Lewis, detectives knew they needed physical evidence to get a conviction. So according to phone records, detectives were able to place Lewis near the crime scene each of the times of the shootings. So, you know, the, the pings. Yeah, okay. He pinged near each phone? crime scene. Huh? With his phone? From now? his cell phone, like okay. the cell phone towers. Yeah. He, peached, he, peaked, he pinged near each of the crime scenes around the time of the murder. Another key piece of evidence came from an unusual source, though. So according to uh, one of the arresting officers, when he went to go pick him up, he bought some lipstick before he came there. He went to the store and he bought some lipstick. And he put lipstick on this grown-ass man and took a lip print from him. Mm. Whether it was he had him kiss a napkin or something flirtatious or something, I don't know. But, like, that's crazy. I'm suing you. See them lips match. Yeah, I'm suing you, though. I get it, like you do your job, whatever. But you're not. Don't fucking put lipstick on me, like I'm oh, some kind of no, you gonna put on this Sunday pig, you know, at the fair. You didn't have to put it on. He did have to put it on to get a sample. He did. Oh, yeah, you got to put it on his lips so the lips transfer the the DNA, the the print to get that lip print. He couldn't have said no. Whether or not he said no is is irrelevant. He got the print. That's his fault. Could have said no. Yeah, I'm going. Mm, just tuck, tuck your lips. <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. the right to remain silent and yeah. tuck your lips. You yeah. know. So investigators also secured a warrant for Lewis's DNA, which was found to match the evidence on all of the Jack notes. It was suspected that the notes were used to throw off detectives. Lewis ended up being charged with 26 separate counts related to the shootings. This is according to legal documents from the case. He pled, he pled guilty to the murders of Roll and Stepney and attempted murders of Orr and Lewis. Lewis was given multiple life sentences with no chance of parole, and he is currently spending the rest of his life in prison. Good. Yeah. Um, so Jack is just some random. Yeah, there was no real. Um, I, I think that in general, the notes were just meant to throw people off. Whether that means he didn't spend six weeks in prison, whatever. That could have just been, oh, I'm looking for, we're looking for a criminal. And he wasn't. That DC you know? sniper shit. Exactly. So Jack, all yeah. of that. But then he's also being consistent in his lie. So now they've he's created this mythical Jack person. Even though Jack isn't real, right. he's used the name Jack so many times and now he's cr- almost created a suspect for the detec- detectives to be looking for. Yeah. It is kind of brilliant. Yeah. Because you're just making it up, but you make it up at every crime scene. You're like, oh, we got to be looking for it. Jack. There's got to be a person named Jack involved in this. So it was a, it was a clever, it was a, it was a clever move. Um, but you know, like all criminals, some dumb shit always is going to be what gets you caught in the end. Yeah. Fucking lips kissing. Why are you kissing the note? Weirdo. Well, he wasn't kissing. He was doing something. Why isn't his, his he lips holding were, in his mouth? Why shooting his gun? Oh yeah. Okay. Now that makes way more sense. I'm thinking he's like, Jack, I was in prison for six months. 
<laughs> you know, I'm like, that, that's sicker. That's way sicker that he's, I thought he was smooching all the notes. No. Instead, he's like, fold it, put it on his lips, load yeah. it while he's loading his gun yeah. or something, holding it in his mouth yeah. while he's loading his gun or something. You thought he was smooch- smooching the Yeah, the, the note. Like, no, leaving his, just like, a, like, just, he's really happy about the notes. You uh, you knew the whole time. He's like, I'm fold this up, put it in my mouth while, yeah. I, while I put the mag in the gun or yeah. whatever. Got it. Okay. So no, I won't no. forget to throw it because I kept saying, why? "Right, how okay. does he remember?" He doesn't to because throw it. it's right there. Yeah. So after he shoots the gun, takes the gun, the note out of his lips, and then throws it. Yeah. That makes way more sense. I thought, thought it was, was like from Jack. <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah. No. Um. Like yeah. if you if he was if we was doing it, why wouldn't he wear like some type of lip, manly lip, lip gloss gar- or something oh, like that? Manly lip gloss. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see. I'm it? partial to bees neat, beeswax myself. <laughs> beeswax. Yeah, I'm partial to beeswax myself, but um. Oh, you mean why wouldn't he? Yeah, he would if he was doing it that way. He wanted to be something on. He you wanted to see. see. He wanted yeah, to be seen. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. need to be accidentally stumbled upon. Right. No, you're right. Because if he, yeah, if he did it on purpose, it would. It <laughs> he would, really thought he was smooching. I really. That's that was my first instinct. I spent six weeks in jail. I went. Yeah. Jack. Never again. Kiss it. Jack. A little real. <laughs> it's like a real. Yeah. Flicking, like he's flicking a cigarette bud. You know, he blows it off his hand. Blow- Jack. <laughs> That's too much time. That's <laughs> no, crazy. That's, no, that's 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 a, that guy deserves like a, a that's like a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> villain. <laughs> yeah. So um no, but that was the story of William Charles Lewis and his uh, short lived sh- uh, shooting spree. Hmm. There were two victims who were killed and two victims who were injured. Man, I just I'm kind of upset. The notes didn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, they did mean something. They were a. Uh, uh, diversion tactic. Yeah. So that is that means something. But why? Why choose Jack? Jack. What's the? It has to be like some meaning to, to him. Something. He has to something. know somebody named Jack or name or something. Or it's or it's 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 the least name. It's the name that resonates with him least. But even that has a meaning. Like he's like I've never yeah. met, I've never met somebody named Jack before. There had to be some kind something. of thought into it. Whether it was. My brother's name is Jack, or you know, it's a name I never even have heard ever. I never met a person named this name, Jack, and then that. Like the most random idea even makes it something meaningful. Something. But yeah, so yeah, that was my affirmative murder this week. Just a quick short, um, yes. short one, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, admittedly, I did think it was more interesting when I thought he was smooching the, the, the notes, <laughs> but it's still interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Like the holding it in his mouth, that's still just interesting, and it's an interesting story all Shout around. Shout out to the forensic. For catching that. Yeah, for catching that. Yeah, man. that's diligent. Yes. Diligent work. And again, you know, shout out to anybody out there who's smooching notes. For good. You know, for good reasons. You got to send somebody a sweet note. Give it a smooch. Anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. Um, my uh, wrongful wrongfully convicted case of Randall Dale Adams. Mm. So Randall Dale Adams was born in Grove City, Ohio, the youngest of five children of a woman named Mildred and a minor who died of coal workers' uh, pneumoconiosis. Oh, yeah. The black lung. Yep. Uh, Adams graduated from high school in 1967 and spent three years as a U.S. Army paratrooper. Mm. Could you jump out of a plane? Could I? Dr- no, man. No. Skydiving. Not my thing. Not me. Yeah. Not me. I feel like you got to want it too. I guess not. I guess some people would overcome the. F- I don't have any desire to overcome that fear. It would be fun, though. It would be a great experience. 
to be like, I jumped, jumped out of a plane and land. It's, no, I get it. That's not a good experience. It's a good story. It is a good story. It'll be a good story. It's a good experience too, though. Being that high up. Oh my god! Free falling like no, that. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying. I, I just I I don't trust parachutes. So yeah, that's no, a big you. thing you just said. No, thank you. I'm good. I don't either. That's yeah. In October of 1976, 27-year-old Randall Adams and his brother left Ohio for California. En route, they arrived in Dallas on Thanksgiving night. The next morning, Adams was offered a contracting job. On the following Saturday of November 27th, Adams went to work, but no one turned up because it was a weekend. Mm. On the way home, his car ran out of gas. David Ray Harris, remember this name, David okay. Ray Harris, who had just turned 16 years old, mm-hmm. passed Adams in a car that had been stolen from his neighborhood in Vider, Texas. Before driving to Dallas with his father's pistol and a shotgun, again, this, he's, this is six, a 16-year-old kid. In Texas, though. In Texas. Harris saw that Adams have, was having some car car trouble yep. and offered Adams a ride. And this is for two strangers to do this. I just, you know, I can't I can't wrap my hand around this. Sure. The two spent the day together like they just was like let's hang out. Right? It's the 70s though, right? Yeah, it's the yeah, 70s. Different time. It's different time. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Uh during which they they got drunk, drunk some alcohol, smoked some Mary J. Mhm. It was like a chill night yeah. with, my, with my bros. I mean, I guess. Just chilling with my bros. And later that evening, they went to a drive-in movie theater. I mean, these dudes just met. Yeah. Just met. It's like that movie, I Love You, Man. It's like, hey, man. We just hit it off, you know? New best friends. I guess, man. Um, so he went to a drive-in movie theater where they saw the student body. You familiar with that movie? No. Okay. Who's in that? Who's in I that? have no idea. And the swinging cheerleaders. Sounds like a dirty movie. They went to a dirty movie together? It's a driving movie theater, so I doubt it. Why? Oh, because it's like cars and <laughs> yeah. it's big screen and yeah, it's Kids. loud. It's outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that evening, Robert W. Wood, a Dallas police officer, was working the graveyard shift with his partner, Teresa Turco. Okay. Who was one of the first female police officers in Dallas to be assigned to patrol duty. Mm. Shortly after midnight on November 28th, Wood stopped Harris in the stolen car on the 3400 block of Northampton Road because the car's headlights were not on. Mm. Again, Mr. David Harris stole this car. He's a 16-year-old kid. He stole this car. Yeah. Got pulled over because, not because the, they found the car. They found out that's the car that was stolen, but because the headlights were out. Yeah. As Wood approached, he was shot twice in the forearm and the chest by someone in the car. I said someone. Right. The vehicle sped off almost immediately after the shooting, giving Woods' partner little time to react. She later testified that she managed to fire upon the fleeing vehicle, but to no avail. Mm. So somebody shot the police officer as he was approaching the vehicle. That's a whew. Right? It's escalation. Yes. And uh, his partner kind of didn't have a chance to react, but she fired back at the vehicle that you know fled the scene. Right. Hitting, da- hitting nothing. Hitting nothing, yep. Yeah. The Dallas Police Department investigation led back to Harris, who, after returning to Vader, had boasted to his friends, again, 16-year-old, 16-year-old kid, 
that he was responsible for the crime. Wow. Mr. Davis said this. Yeah. Harris was arrested, but when he was interviewed by police, he accused Adams for the murder. Mm. Harris led police to the car driven from the scene at the, at the crime, as well as to a 22 short caliber revolver he identified as the murder weapon. Dallas prosecuted Douglas D. Mulder, charged, uh, charged Adams with the crime, despite the evidence against Adams. Yeah. Apparently because Harris was a juvenile at the time and Adams, as an adult, could be sentenced to death under Texas law. Oh, man. But we know, but again, if, I, if you didn't notice by now, Mr. Randall Adams is black. Uh-huh. David Harris is, is a white man. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We know why that. That's a. Who, who, and who got charged and, you know, for how long? Yeah. And because of what? Adams testified that after leaving the drive-in movie theater, Harris dropped Adams off at his motel, where Adams and his brother watched TV and then went to sleep. Again, in the earlier of my story, I said that they said that someone in the vehicle shot the police officer. At the police, yeah. But only Adams was in the car. So it was him. Harris testified that Adams was not only in the car, but he was the driver as well. Mm. And the shooter. And the shooter. <laughs> that shot the police officer, Mr. Yeah. Testimony by Harris and several questionable eyewitnesses, including Emily Miller and R.L. Miller, who claimed to have driven past Harris, Harris's stopped vehicle immediately before the shooting, led to Adams' convic- conviction. Texas forensic psych- psychiatrist James Grick Grixon was also a witness. Now they called him. He was. They said he was known. Um, he became known as Doctor Death. Oh. Oh. Um, what? Like the certain? No, that's a different guy. Okay. Uh, they said he was. That's name. This guy's name. His name. The doc. I thought you. That's Christopher Dunch. Who I'm thinking of. Sorry. Go ahead. That that name that word name triggers me because it's one of my favorite podcasts ever. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's what I thought. But I was like, who the fuck? Yeah. Maybe this is just like some other guy that did something else. Yes, yeah, that's, that's his name. The the Doctor Death, the 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 surgeon who was killing people. His name is Christopher Dunch. Gotcha. So Texas forensic psychiatrist James Grixon was also a witness for the prosecution, having conducted a a, a psychiatric evaluation of Adams. He told. The jury that Adams would be an ongoing menace if kept alive. Mm. As a result of his testimony, Adams was given the death penalty. His conviction was unanimously upheld by the Texas Court of Appeals in 1979. Mm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yep. Everybody. Everybody. Kill him. Black man. In 1995, Grixon and also Adams wasn't there. Mm-hmm. He was at home. Yes. Wasn't in the car, wasn't the driver, wasn't the shooter. For a, a psychiatrist to come in here, come in, in the court and say, I did a test and this guy's a menace to society yeah. and he's he's going to keep on doing it if he's, if he's let free. Mm-hmm. And lie like that, to get somebody on the death penalty like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you not, how is this person not in trouble? How is he like not, you know, lose that job or yeah. their credibility or whatever, license or whatever? More importantly than that, more basis and more realistic to everybody in the country is like, how do you hear stories like this and not develop uh, whether it's internal, external, you know, overt or covert distrust for the system 
yeah. that is responsible for keeping law and order in this country. Disproportionate people of color are ended up on death row when for people that don't look like them don't end up on death row for the same crimes. It's just shit like this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's just you see you, hear, you see stuff like this. You hear stuff like this, and that makes you go. Oh, it's just, it's just, it is, it's different. It's yeah. just a different, it's two different, it's two different justice systems. Yeah, man. So in 1995, Grixon was expelled from the American Psychiatric Association, as he should, and the Texas Society of Psyche, uh, a psychi- and the Texas Society of um, Psychiatric Physicians for unethical conduct relating to expert witness testimony. Mm. I just don't understand how this man can, He's on the take, Fran. It's it's just he's crazy. on the take. The state wants him to say what they want him to say. They give him a little conversation before he goes on the stand. They're like, "Hey, man, you gonna make this go our way?" But for are you willing to throw away all the hard work you've done for that's I just I don't know, man. For them to be like, "Hey, we need your help on this. Can you go up here and lie and lie under oath <laughs> and lie?" Like, sure. Uh, so Adam, I'll lie twice. Yeah. So Adams' execution was originally scheduled for May 8th, 1979. But the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell ordered a stay ordered a stay three days before the scheduled date. And in 1980, the Supreme Court, on an 8-1 vote, ruled unconstitutional. Um, and Texas' requirement for jurors to swear an oath that the mandatory imposition of death sentence would not interfere with their consideration of factual matters such as guilt or innocence during a trial. As a result of this decision, Adams' death sentence was reversed and the Texas Court Criminal Appeals granted him a new trial. Mm. Before the trial could begin, however, Texas Governor Bill Clements commuted Adams. Adams. His name is Adams, so it's like, it's weird to say Adams's. Adams' yeah. sentence. Texas Governor Bill Clements commuted Adams's sentence to life in prison at the request of the Dallas County District Attorney. Okay. In May 1988, yes. David Ray Harris, mm-hmm. by that point himself a prisoner on death row, yes, admitted that Adams was not even in the car on the night of the murder. And in August of 1988, they released a documentary film, The Thin Blue Line, which detailed the many inconsistencies in the prosecution's line of reasoning, uh, further cast doubt on Adam's guilt, but the case remained in legal limbo. Mm. So in 1989, the Texas Court Criminal Appeals for Adams was overturned, and Adams' conviction on the grounds of wrongdoing by the prosecutor, Douglas D. Mulder, and the inconsistencies in the testimony of a key witness, Emily Miller, the appeals court found that the prosecutor Mulder withheld a statement by Emily Miller to the police mm-hmm. that cast doubt on her credibility, credibility and also allowed her to give perjured testimony. Mm. So again, uh, they got somebody else to lie. lie. Also, the court found that after Adams' attorney discovered, this, discovered the statement late in Adams' trial, Mulder falsely told the court that he did not know the witness's whereabouts. So the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals stated that conviction was unfair, mainly because of prosecutor Doug Mulder. Mm -hmm. Mulder had returned to practicing private law in Dallas in 1981. 
So he got in trouble and caught. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? I'm not playing this game. I'm anymore. not doing it. <laughs> I'm my own private I'm my business own private. where I do what I want to do. Right, exactly. So following the appeals court decision, the case was returned to Dallas County for a retrial, but the district attorney's office decided not to prosecute the case again based on the length of time since the original crime and Adams was subsequently released. Wow. Despite being wrongfully imprisoned for 12 years, Adams received no compensation from the state of Texas. It is said that if Adams had been found to be wrongfully convicted under present-day Texas law, he would be entitled to receive 80000 for each year of incarceration. Mm. Additionally, at the time his conviction was thrown out, Wrong, wrongfully, wrongly convicted prisoners could get a lump sum payment of twenty five thousand if pardoned by the governor. Oh. But Adams was released, yeah, because his case was dismissed and not because he was pardoned. So he received no payment from the state after his release. So he got nothing. It that's was like that's crazy. Twelve years of your life. Twelve years of your life, and it's like okay, we just throw it out. So you didn't you didn't get pardoned. Yeah, so it's like I don't I don't get nothing. It's like it never happened. Yep. But you had to live those. It did happen, though, because you had to live, live those 12 years and lose your income and all those stuff, all those things. And then they're like, eh, well, we just erase it like it never happened and you just go away. So after his release uh, from prison, Adams ended up in a legal battle with Errol Morris, who was the director of the Thin Blue Line documentary that came out. Uh-huh. Um, said that it was there were some issues where Adams was like, I didn't I didn't give you permission to do this movie or whatever on my life. Right. And they kind of like, they said he didn't, Adams didn't sue. He just confronted the guy about it and was like, you know, I didn't like it. But what happened was the guy that did the documentary got the permission from his lawyer. His lawyer signed off on it. Yeah. Uh, So while in prison, Adams earned a court, earned a correspondence course degree from Lee college in Baytown, Texas. And Adams later worked as an anti-death penalty activist. He wrote a book about his story, which is Adams versus Texas, which was published in June of 1992. Mm. In 2001, at an anti-death penalty legislative hearing on behalf of the Texas Moratorium Network, Adams said, the man you see before you is here by the grace of God. But unfortunately, Adams died of a brain tumor in Washington Courthouse, Ohio, on October 30th in 2010 at the age of 61. He said he lived quietly. He lived a quiet life. Um, divorced from his pra- his past, mm-hmm. according to his lawyer Randy Schaefer, the death was at the time reported only locally and wasn't and was not widely reported until the June June twenty fifth two thousand eleven. Now, just a quick, um, it's kind of like another mini story in, that's connected to my story. Now, I mentioned that David Hay David Ray Harris was on death row. Yes, right. So. David Ray Harris had testified in an original trial that he was the passenger in the stolen car that he allowed Adams to drive and that Adams committed the murder. He recanted a statement at Adams habeas corpus hearing, but never admitted guilt in a judicial setting and was never charged in the case. Mm. On June 30th, 2004, Harris was executed by lethal injection for an unrelated 1985 murder of Mark Mays in Beaumont, Texas, which occurred during a, an attempted abduction of Mays' girlfriend. Mm. So David Ray Harris, who was 43, was ex- executed by lethal injection because on September 1st, 1985, he broke into Mark's, this guy named Mark Mays' house oh. and killed him and like tried to kidnap his girlfriend. 
Jeez. And that was a whole thing. That was like, that was another story that if anybody's interested, they can look it up. His name is David Ray Harris. But this dude had a lot of shit going on. He was uh, honorably discharged from the U.S. Army for Mm -hmm. burglary and theft. He had felony convictions in California for robbery, burglary, larceny, and other crimes. So, I mean, this dude was like, had a trouble past his whole life. Active, yeah. yeah, yeah. Active. Like, the shit, and like, I guess, I'm guessing that the shit that he did with Adams at 16 was probably the beginning of all the shit that he's done after that. Because yeah. he was 43 when this when this when this murder happened. So that was uh that was kind of like a story and a half of mine um with David Ray Harris and Randall Dale Adams. Wow. Well, 12 years is he can't get him back, but I hope that uh he, you know, got some kind of compensation from the book that he wrote or some uh, something, you know? I mean, yeah. they didn't give him anything. That's just crazy, man. These wrongful convictions that we need to have some kind of fund or something to help these people get back on their feet once they are vindicated and that shit that's insane. Yeah, man, it's not even about the money. Yes, they can use the money to help them out, but I, like I said when we had this conversation before, I think it's more important to have resources than it is to have the money because they can blow through that. Especially, and then it's yeah, like especially you have, starting right at zero. Yeah, negative. You're starting at negative three. Yeah, and you can have you can give somebody a whole bunch of money, but if they blow it. And then they left with nothing. It's like you can't. Just, you can't. In in that situation, you can't turn around and go, "See, you give them money, they just, they just spend it." Like, yeah. So we shouldn't give them the money. It's like no, you should give them the tools so they can learn how to do the right things to take care of themselves. It's just it's just, uh, the world's a sick place, man. But um, yeah, it was a great story. Anything else to add on that? Nah, man. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for some good vibes. We're ready to send you into the world to do great things with great joy in your heart after hearing about, you know, the bright side of the world instead of the dark side of how we, you know, the fucked up shit. I'd like to send you guys off with some positive vibrations. Um, Fran, would you like would you like to kick things off? First? I'll go first. Okay, please. Our very own U.S. Postal Service Ooh. is going to try and reduce its carbon footprint by buying... 9,000 new Ford electric vehicles. Ooh. To support the new EVs, the USPS will, co- will co- construct 14,000 additional charging stations in 75 different counties and uh, min- municipalities. How do you say that word? Municipal Municipality? There you go. Okay. That word, yeah. yes. It says, we are moving forward with our plans to simultaneously improve our service Reduce our cost, yes. grow our revenue, and improve the working environment of our employees. I mean, that all sounds great. Ha! You would love that, huh? Uh, yes. Yeah. Electrification of our vehicle fleet is now an important component of these initiatives. We have developed a strategy that mitigates both cost and risk of deployment. Because gas gas prices through the roof. This is crazy. Yeah. Which enables execution on this initiative to begin now. But you know everything is through the roof, man. You know, a fourteen piece is like, no, you know, a ten piece is like fourteen dollars now. Yeah, 
I'm telling you, man, they had that chicken shortage and everybody yeah. raised the prices on chicken. And now the chicken shortage is over, but those prices are not coming down. That's just how much chicken costs now. Yeah. So by 2026, uh, DeJoy <laughs> uh-huh. said that all new purchases of EVs will be electric. So now they're trying to, the old milk trucks, you uh-huh. guys see, a couple years, they're, they're, uh, they're forcing those out now because they're just... So reminiscent. It's so old and yeah. they're a piece of shit and they're yeah. trash. Uh, but the new electric vehicles, if you haven't seen them, nice. Ugly. They're ugly oh, vehicles. Uh, <laughs> Very ugly. We've seen one. We've seen them one at the museum. We went to the museum. Oh, it was one yeah. of them. There. Yeah, one of them yeah, the big yeah, ugly yeah. looking things. Yeah. But those are the new electric vehicles that's supposed to be coming into huge. Uh, Probably but, air conditioning know. and all that stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah. my the truck I have now is like a, it's a Mercedes van. Oh. But the, the the driver's side is on the other opposite side, right? But that I have heating AC. But those big vehicles, the new ones, are, will have heating heating air satellite radio. Uh, yes, <laughs> and more room because mm-hmm. you know, again, the post office is moving towards parcels now. Because now the mail the mail uh, it's not as heavy as it used to be. So yeah, but yeah. shout out to them. You know, making a well, change. That's great, man. You know, it's great, man. And that's inside baseball. That's great. Yeah, that's sure. really cool. Yeah, I mean, let's. Reducing the carbon footprint would be awesome. Yeah, are you gonna get EV or what? Getting on board? I might. I might. I'm considering it. Okay. We gotta. We gotta. The the bag has to come <laughs> tremendously for me to be <laughs> even thinking about getting the, an electronic vehicle, but electric vehicle. But uh, in theory, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, friend, my good vibe story is about two sisters who were put up for adoption at the end of World War II. Who were finally reunited after 75 years wow. apart. Damn, it's a little too late, ain't it? Oh, damn. No. I mean, nah, whatever time they have left. <laughs> nah, it's almost a wrap for them, right? Like, no, nah, okay, man. Listen, it's good vibes. They do look a little uh, liver spotty and whatever. Old, oh, but man, you can't say that. <laughs> what? You can't say that. Bro, you just said... It's pointless to find your sister, right? Because they're gonna die. Like that's what you that. just. That's not what I. Said. <laughs> you just said. That's not what I said. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it took seventy-five years, but two sisters who were placed up for adoption at the end of World War II were finally reunited. Annie Ijbilar and Sheila Ann Fry, both in their late seventies, have uh, have Sheila's daughter-in-law and Ann's son to thank for the reunion. After they took it upon themselves, separated. After they took it upon themselves, separated to track their long lost relatives. Adopted in the UK as an infant in 1946, Sheila had no idea, no knowledge of who her birth parents were, but using a DNA product, they discovered that she had a half sister who lived in the Netherlands, born just a few months after, after her to the same father. Now, completely separate thing, but I kind of. Getting a little bit of a jonesing for a parent trap reboot where they use DNA kits to uh, reunite with each other. That would be a real modern day spin on the parent trap model. Shout out to Lindsay Lohan. She's pregnant. Don't know why I know that. Anyway, (laughs) Sheila's daughter-in-law, Karen, was messaged by Annie's son, Mark, and both sisters did a DNA test, which confirmed that they were related. After meeting for the first time last year, Sheila said... It was going to, it was like looking in the mirror and talking to myself. It was amazing. We have the same hobbies and the same medical complaints. It is very strange. Yeah. They have the same medical. Well, they're both like, you know, they're like almost octogenarians. So they're like, my elbow hurts when it rains outside. 
75 is very young. Please save your emails. I was like, hey, Alvin. I'm sex seventy three years old. I'm not old. I'm like, all right, man. I'm no, thirty. But I mean, like, I they both, they, like, like they if some hurts, they're like, oh yeah, they get it. I'm like, yeah, you know, my back hurts yeah. when you know when it's snowing. Yeah, yeah. She always knew she was adopted because her parents told her. Oh, okay. She said I was special because mommy and daddy picked me. They said her father was a Canadian soldier who fought against the Nazis in Europe and returned home after the war. The search for Sheila's birth father had remained unsuccessful for eight years, leading the family to believe that they'd hit a dead end. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's 75. Her dad's you know, like 100 years old. I mean, he'd be dead. Uh, meanwhile, in the Netherlands, Annie was also trying to uncover her family's history. After finding out her stepfather was not her biological father, Annie only discovered the truth after overhearing a conversation between relatives and searching through family records. Annie's biological father was a Canadian soldier who had fought in the World War, fought in World War II against the Nazis and participated in the liberation of the Netherlands from Nazi occupation. Annie's 50-year-old son, Mark, made a breakthrough when a joke between cousins led him to ordering a DNA test. When the email arrived announcing a DNA match, Mark was astonished to discover that his mother had a half-sister. So this dad was over there in Germany on war, Doing his thing, yeah, you know. But for the order for this to work, somebody else, the other person, has to do it too, right? Yeah, they have to both be in the yeah, in the yeah. database, or but or a cousin, or a, it doesn't have to be the, the direct person you're looking for. But I think in this case, it was because they both knew that. Have you done they, one before? No, oh. I just I don't I don't know I'm I'm I don't after verifying the DNA connection, but uh, by both sisters, Mark finally told his mother that he had found her a sister and arranged a video call in May of 2022. They had an amazing conversation, according to Mark. They look the same. They have the same hobbies. It was amazing. The face-to-face meeting took place in the Netherlands a couple months later. Um, they said, we both love to crochet, and we both knit and do crafts. Um, this, is, uh, Sheila, this is according to Sheila, who joked, who joked, adding, I must say, Annie is a lot better looking than me. All right, self-deprecating. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't say looking. Annie is a lot better than me. That's even that's worse. Wow, why? Jeez. Oh, at crocheting and stuff. I just thought she meant like overall, like she just is like a better person. I made it. Yeah, I was. I was like, why is she so down on herself? She just means that crocheting and stuff like that. Uh, Annie agrees that meeting me was very special. We immediately connected, and although the language was a problem, it felt very natural to see and talk to my sister after all these years. It can be difficult to keep in touch as we are not very good with computers and phones. Uh, my English is not good, but I'm trying to learn. I wish that she lived closer. So there's a little bittersweet ending to a very beautiful story. Two sisters finding each other after 75 years apart. So um, shout out to the Netherlands and Damn, the families and all those the kids for doing the due diligence of finding their parents. Um, other parent. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Modern day parent trap. Anyway, Fran, before we get out of here, you yeah. got any recommendations? You've been watching anything you know interesting? What? I meant to bring this up last podcast. Please do. I watch. I finally watched Black Panther. What do you mean? The second one? Yeah, I didn't watch it. Okay. I finally got to it. It was good, man. It was really good. It was good. Yeah. It was good, but what I don't like about it is, I think... Um, Not more. I think um, they should have went another direction, I think. As far as like... Because she's... She's not going to be the Black Panther. Oh. Did you watch the end credits? No, I did. 
Did you? I, I mean, so. did you? No. No. What happened? His son. It was something. No, no, no. But she, she had the suit on in the in the movie. Yes, she took the mantle for a brief period of time. But before before I got to the end part, I uh-huh. was like, it, while the movie, I went like, I don't like where this is going because I don't want her to be the Black Panther. I rather because you're sexist. I rather them. I rather them do. I rather them just like leave it. You know what I mean? Because like, there's like, no. What do you just mean? Like, there's no black. Panther? They just they just like end it for a while and just like do something else. Uh huh. Until I got to the end, when the little boy comes in, uh huh. I went. Oh, okay. Yeah. This. Like, hey, how's it going? I'm T'Challa. I'm T'Challa. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. that's that was dope. Yeah, that was dope. But so I, some time will go I, by. I didn't think know, that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think that she was going to be. But I thought she. It was going to be something else. Sure. Like you know how they brought that random girl in. Yeah. I thought it was gonna be something Ironheart. Like, I thought it was gonna be something like that. Sure, like just a be. random person. Was just like be. she, she goes into her own thing because I like her. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was gonna be her own thing. I didn't yeah. think it was gonna be Black Panther. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah, it was dope. I get it. it. I the, love kids, the kids loved it. Max runs around saying Wakanda and yeah. on me and stuff like that. But it was good. It was I still beautiful. It. I thought I thought Namor was a great villain, um, and I liked the concept of. They have their own vibranium down there in the ocean, and they they have their own technologies yeah, crazy. and beautiful. They have their underwater Wakanda yeah, with the crazy. Aztec culture and the way that they made their technology work with the water, and yeah. it was crazy. A very um, cool movie. Um, I also I remember telling you when I saw it that you know I thought it was really cool how they paid such beautiful respect to Chadwick Boseman, yeah. but they did it in a way that they they if they would have did it. At a different point in the movie, it might have been a distraction. They like did it in the beginning, let all the emotion hit you, and then kind of took a little bit of a pause because they did it, and then they let the credits roll. At least that's, that's how I remember it in the movie theater. Like they did it, they sent his little spaceship uh, casket up to the sky, yeah, yeah, and then and then the credits rolled. Yes, you know, so you had this emo- all this emotion, and then it's like, all right, guys, take a pause. Now let's watch a movie. Yeah. Because if they would have started the movie and then did that, then I'm crying, and then it's gonna it's hard for me to get back yeah, yeah, into yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. So I yeah, like yeah. where they did it, and I like that they did it. Yeah, it was dope. You know, and, and we had to explain to the kids like what was going. on. They're like, what "What's dead? going on? Why yeah, is he sick?" They're like, "Yeah, he's dead, man. He's super dead." Is yeah. that what you said? No, not like that. Oh, okay, All right. well, yeah, yeah, sure. You had some tact. I'm sure yeah, it was yeah. a lot smoother. Yeah, but I, get, I gotta get my flowers, Angela Bassett, though. Oh, and, she, oh, and st- why? What for? Why? For why? Because she's so fine still. That too, but she's a she's a great actor. Oh, of course, man. What's love got to do with it? Yeah, because Angela Bassett. She, but she gets robbed too. She got robbed recently. Um, listen, this is okay. Angela Bassett put on a great performance. I, I guess she was nominated. I wouldn't have been mad if she won. I loved everything, everywhere, all at once. So I was rooting for everything, everywhere, all at once in every category that it was in. Not necessarily the category of Jamie Lee Curtis, but like it was a really good movie. You know what I mean? And it, you already got. You have something going against you, no matter how good the movie is. It's still a superhero movie. The Oscars doesn't—they don't love the superhero movies. You know what I mean? Like they don't costumes, things like that. You'll win at the Oscars, but like somebody winning an Oscar for acting in a Marvel movie, I just don't see it happening. You know? So I thought Angela Bassett was better in her performance and like what she, you know, her her golden scene, mm. but. This was everything, everywhere, all at once was like the golden child movie of the Oscars this year. Like everybody loved it. It was going to win a bunch of stuff. It won Best Picture. Like it was the movie. Yeah. It was the movie to see. And so everybody kind of won, you know, Kihu Kwan, the guy that was the dad, like the kid, the data from the Goonies. He had a, 
everybody had a beautiful it was like it was like a it was like just a, a loving we love everything everywhere all at once night that's what that was so i, I wasn't shocked but i agree with you yeah. angela bassett deserved an you know uh, recognition which yeah. is a, a nomination is recognition though yeah but it ain't the, it ain't the trophy though fair it ain't it's first place fair it's not first place it's not it's no place yeah. You either win, you either win or well, you, you lose. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's no runner-ups in, in that. But great performance, and I, I get what you're saying. Yes, I love Angela Bassett, and she's still fine. She's like yeah. 62 years old. She's yeah. ripped. She's shredded. And her husband's so supportive. He's always taking pictures and stuff. He's just, they're smiling. I'd be, I would be, too. I get it. <laughs> um, uh, the Last of Us finale, I have never played the game before. I loved it. Apparently, it was controversial because um, I, don't, I think people just don't understand the concept of, an, of an anti-hero. So even though the whole show, the whole season, Joel has been alluding to, I've done really bad things. I've killed a lot of people. I'm yeah. not a good guy. And then you see him be that. And people were like, wait a minute, this is Joel. Why is he doing all this bad stuff? It's like, he told you this is who he was. The whole show he's been telling you this. Yeah. He started off the show aiming a gun at a little kid. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, I didn't think he was going to shoot her, but like he was still aiming a gun at a little kid. Yeah. Joel has never been a good guy. You know, like he's been a a guy on a mission taking care of this kid. Like that's good, but like he's done a lot of dark things to, to protect this kid. Yeah, and was ready to make a lot of decisions. Like fucking leave them, fuck them. We're gonna leave them in the morning. Oh yeah, steal their food. Like on the way to where they got to, Joel was ready to do some pretty dark stuff. Yeah, I haven't watched the last one yet. Okay, well don't I worry about you, it. I told you why. I yes, it. yeah. Fran likes to savor his meals. Like he's yeah, he's yeah. like saving the saving this last little morsel. Because then it's really over if you watch it. Yeah. And I get that. I still have not finished Fleabag. I, won't, I refuse to watch the last episode. Fleabag? That's the show? Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's really good. I don't think you'd like it. But What's it's that good. on? It's on Amazon Prime. Oh. I don't think you'd like it. But it, it, it's one of my favorite shows ever. But I didn't watch the last episode because then if I do watch it, it's over. Um, yeah. But so Last of Us, of Us is over. I, somebody gave a recommendation. I really thought about giving the real, real thought what is it? of us doing a a Last of Us companion podcast. Even though we've watched all of them, except mm-hmm. the last one, obviously. Yeah. That might be incentive for us to do this, even, yeah. so you can watch the last episode. Because, like, I have a lot of thoughts on The Last of Us that I'm not going to give here, you know, in the last 15 yeah, yeah, minutes of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But I would, and if people were ready to go listen to something where I don't have to worry about spoilers and stuff, and just like, I can say whatever I want to, because you're here to listen to us talk about the, the show and the episodes, and you've also watched them. So I'm not being like, in this part, but I don't want to say. Yeah, That feels freeing. The idea of us being able to talk freely about The Last of Us is tempting to me. Yes. So possibly uh, maybe check the yeah. Patreon soon. That might be something we might be uh, looking into doing. That'd be something fun we might be able to do. Because I love the show. Uh, I would rewatch it in a heartbeat. I've watched yes, every episode. Yes. Like, and I played the game. So Yeah, yeah. I didn't. So you might have some insight as far as the game goes that yeah. we can really get into yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, man. I even have a name. But I don't want to say Ooh, it. Okay. I don't. Even, I don't want to say it because okay. I don't want people to steal it. Gotcha. But it's a good name. And the name, when I thought of the name, I really wanted to do it because I think I think the name's fire. Um, but anyway, guys, um, uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. Um, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francis Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>